0: five novels in and we finally got somebody saying aloud fire a ice a winter that's coming and then dragons from the other yes
1: the harpy's gonna harp the harpies are still harping <laughs> <laughs> it turns out uh, the prince had actually been smuggled out of the city by those two customers Varys and Ilrio again ha <laughs> ha it's like the world's most
0: deadpan comedy double act, isn't it? It's like Waiting for Godot was a stand-up act.
1: Hello there. Good morrow. Good day. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a bit early, isn't it, Matt? Too soon. Too soon.
1: It, it's not that early. It's, 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 December you know, the 13th. it's December. Advent calendars are opening. All we, right, can, okay. we can do an early okay. Merry Christmas. I
0: will allow you to do I've just about got over my, my Scrooge experience from last <laughs> year, so I'll, I'll <laughs> let you celebrate Christmas now. It's December the 13th.
1: <laughs> so this is uh, part five of our, um, our read-through of A Dance with Dragons by George R R Martin. Um, after this part, we are uh, stopping for Christmas. Uh, there will be a three-part Christmas special on Sherlock Holmes. And then we'll be back... We'll be back again for the uh, second part of *Dancing Dragon*, so don't worry. There will be a break, but we will be back to complete the book in the new year. Do you think it says something about
0: uh, about the this book that we're taking a little break? You know, doing something light, and what we're doing is, you know, one of the most one of the most kind of like thrilling, edge of the seat, tense kind of vaguely horror books from the 19th century.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does say a lot. The- the voice you're hearing there is Dave. Oh, sorry. Matt. No, hello, it's alright. I, I realised I didn't I didn't do the, yeah, the introductions. <laughs> We're going freestyle today. We so, are. We, we don't give know. a shit about the rules. Because it, it's mostly, you know, Christmas is coming, the top button's undone now. You know, <laughs> kick him back and relax him. And we are joining Tyrion in our first chapter. We're going uh, this week from a chapter about Tyrion, um, which begins... He dreamed of his lord father, and um, we're going as far as a chapter rather uniquely called "The Wayward Bride." So we're stopping there, and then having Christmas, and then we'll be back with the Wayward Bride, whoever she may be, <laughs> once, uh, once we come back in in the new year. Okay, Dave, are you ready to dive into it then? I am ready. Okay, here we go. So Tyrion. Well, the first thing to say is he's alive. <laughs> Because when we last saw Tyrion, he was drowning in the river, wasn't he? Being pulled down by these stone men.
0: We, so uh, are we Are we in a zombie situation here? Because there was some concern about this when this happened before. That we were <laughs> going to get into yet another kind of zombie fiction.
1: Yeah, well there is concern from uh, the maester, sort of half-maester Halden here, isn't there? Because it turns out Tyrion was sort of dragged out of the river and revived on the boat. Um and they are very worried. Obviously, if you get touched by these stone men um, that they encountered last time, you can turn into one like a zombie. And um, the the half master tells Tyrion to prick all his fingers to see if they if he feel, if he can feel sort of the sharp pain, because the first thing that happens is your extremities go numb. It's almost like a some kind of frostbite, isn't it?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah And uh, there were two things uh, Three things really The first of which was that You know, it really did render this idea Of this sort of sickness really well And continuing this sort of What it must be like to have leprosy Kind of vibe mm. um, <laughs> But the second was The the, the quite marvellous image Of Because um, uh, when you get out of water Cold water It's not like your extremities Are particularly full of feeling At that point, are they? Mm-hmm. So I could just imagine this guy going, quick, throwing a knife to Tyrion, quick, stab yourself in all of your fingers and toes right now, and if you can't feel anything, then you're a zombie. <laughs> and Tyrion being like, kind of, oh fuck, I can't feel anything, I can't feel anything. And the bloke's just in the background going, I can't fucking believe you did that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> just a massive wind-up
0: just a huge, like a double-layered wind-up, both getting him <laughs> to stab his own fingers and toes and making him believe that he's about to be turned into this sort of leper zombie type
1: <laughs> well look at Viterion, he can feel all of those so um, it looks like he may have got off lightly but he's got to wait and see um, because the he gets sort of, he realises oh yeah, looks like I'm okay and then I think it's uh, Halden says something like, yeah well you know it can just be happening inside so you might be rotting from the inside out so nice thought for Tyrion to to, <laughs> to chew on there delightful yeah um he then gets to sit down with um prince aegon who, who we've, t- we've found out is this young griff character um and find out a bit more about him to sit down and play um this game chivas again i think it's called that i'm um, guessing the pronunciation. Well, it's um, another it's another one
0: isn't it where he's clearly looked at the word chess and decided that if you whack a couple of y's and v's in there it will make it sound appropriately fantasy. So <laughs> Chivas, Chivas, Chehuva de Booz with a silent like q in si- there.
1: I quite like Sivas as well. It Sivas. could be any of them. It could be any or none of them. Could. Be, could be. Um, but yeah, it turns out uh, this the prince who everyone thought had been killed at the sack of King's Landing back in the day, um, had actually been smuggled out of the city by those two, those two customers, Varys and Ilrio, again, who <laughs> were behind it.
0: It's, it's, like, it's like the world's most deadpan comedy double act, isn't it? Like, a comedy double act made up entirely of straight men, Varys and Illyrio, just standing on either side of the stage looking at each other, sort of, one waggles his eyebrows a bit, the other one goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like Waiting for Godot was a stand-up act. Those two work as a double act.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we got. Um, so we got. He got managed to get shipped off. Um, prince Prince Aegon. It is Aegon, isn't it? I I don't know. Was it Rhaegon?
0: Ray-, Ray? No. R- Rhaegar.
1: No, Rhaegar's the um, the prince who was killed.
0: Oh right, and no, his yeah. So he's Aegon. Yeah, he's a, he's yeah, another he Aegon. he's another Aegon. He is an Aegon, Aegon reborn.
1: <sighs> Tell you what all these Aegons and Rhaegons and Rhaegars and Ragos. Can't we do any of them? <laughs> anyway, here's another one. Um, he's been... Yeah, so he was smuggled out of the city. The idea is sort of... He's been taken under the wing of this this guy who isn't called really called Griff. He's really called John Connington, who's a, uh, an exiled lord who used to be really close with the, the old prince, Rhaegar. Mm. So the plan is to sort of get Aegon together with Daenerys and then they can come back together and reclaim the kingdom. Not for nothing. Um, Daenerys, who is possible no bride of Aegon, would be his aunt. Um, so just, and everybody's, just, just think about that.
0: <laughs> Nobody takes a moment, do they? Nobody stops and goes, so the whole thing hinges on him marrying his auntie. Is, is everybody all right with this? Is this... Is perfectly Oh it's perfectly normal where you come from, is it? Is it? It's, It's
1: perfectly normal in the in the Targaryen family, isn't it? And
0: and in the Lannister family it would seem.
1: Yeah. So um so that is the plan. Tyrion is the first person of all these um sort of people going to on the way to Daenerys and sort of advisors around them. Uh so you've got you know, you've got Victorian on the boat, you've got Quentin on his way as well. You got these two here. Tyrion is the first one to recognise the fact that maybe Daenerys might not be interested in the person who shows up, and she, <laughs> she, he advises he advises Aegon to you know what, don't go sort of begging to Daenerys, like turning up saying, mm, come on, come with me across the sea. Just go, just go to Dawn Landing, um, sort of in Westeros, raise your banners, and get her to come to you. And he thinks that'd be a much more effective strategy yeah what do you think
0: um it's just i can't quite believe that in in 15 years or whatever it's been nobody (laughs) has gone are we sure she's going to be up for this because we're spending quite a lot of money and effort and time on 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 assuming that this person who after all none of us have ever met or spoken to is going to be right alongside our political aims (laughs) no anyone it's going to be fine it's going to be fine (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think they keep changing the plan actually over the years <laughs> because I think the whole thing because I think originally one, when um, when they sort of we first had Khal Drogo and all that it was Viserys wasn't it who was the sort of main guy who they were going to send over and I think Aegon might have been like a backup plan and, and then suddenly Daenerys turned up with some dragons so they thought oh, actually maybe we could use her and yeah. it's sort of you get the impression that Ilrio and Varys had a plan which just yeah. constantly keeps moulding into another one because circumstances, unexpected things keep happening. Yeah, but the nature of particularly Varys'
0: character is you can, you can imagine them being sort of like, meant to, meant to, yeah, no, this is all, <laughs> yeah. this is all still, we're absolutely on plan here, it's completely fine, let's roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> also, is this a bit weird to you as well that um, Varys, who after all, is already one of the most powerful people in Westeros, He's spending all of this time and effort trying to become differently powerful. I mean, obviously now he's in the Mm. shit. But, like, way back when, you know, he was playing the game like an absolute pro. Mm. So why bother with all of this, you know, remote control heirs thing? Sending them across the planet to try and shag each other because, disgusting. Like, (laughs) what?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. They both say, Ilrio and... um and Varys that they're doing this because they think it's the you know for the good of the realm big picture, but yeah. it's yeah I'm not entirely convinced with that to be honest, but yeah. i can't decide if that's because it just seems you know it, considering their characters seem you know almost completely pragmatic to two of these guys, it seems very strange or if it's just the fact that. If Game of Thrones series so far has taught me nothing else, it's the fact that nobody does anything just for the common good, <laughs> <laughs>
0: and particularly Varys. Wouldn't that be a great twist, though? If Varys turned out to be the most like fundamentally pure of purpose character in the whole yeah. fucking thing,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possible, possible. Um, anyway, the um, the plan that. Tyrion suggests obviously isn't the one that they're following at the moment they're going to make their way to Valantis, hopefully meet Daenerys there um, now bring they a find out- of
0: a big bunch <laughs> of flowers with you when you're doing that my <laughs> word that's not do you want to go out with me that's do you want to try and conquer a realm with me by the <laughs> way I'm Aegon
1: yeah have some Awkward. dragon fruit with you as well <laughs> <laughs> Yo,
0: hey you see because she loves a joke Daenerys she
1: loves a pun <laughs> um now the they find out once they get to Selhois, which is a like a small town on the way down, mm. um, that Daenerys is actually still in Marine. She hasn't left Marine, so they like off for goodness sake. So Tyrion and Halden are sent ashore to find out more. Um They Selhois is a quite interesting little place. There's uh, some slave sort of whores knocking about who do have that? I was right. They do have those little tattooed tears on their faces if they're yep. um, if they're slave lords. There's I, a red priest like um, like in uh you know in like, like a Melisandre uh, or Thoros, or Thoros. Yeah, I, and I the, much the,
0: prefer Thoros. Can we have Thoros be the sort of <laughs> acceptable face of the red god's religion, please?
1: Because he's a great <laughs> laugh. Whereas Melisandra's just creepy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, this red priest is um, calling for Volantis to declare for Daenerys. Um, saying that mm. she's she's this Azora, Do you know, this Azora High reborn yeah. thing that oh. Stannis keeps getting called. Yeah. Oh
0: Matt, and you, you know me, you know me. I'm an I am an absolute gimme for any kind of big kind of plot thing. And five novels in, and we finally got somebody saying aloud, fire a ice. A winter that's coming and then dragons from the other. Yes! I was like, yes! Come on! This is what I've been waiting for
1: for four and a half books. <laughs> so, you're, so you're completely on board with this, Greg Priest Sam? Well, no absolutely, so no, absolutely you
0: know. not, because I think his religion is straightforwardly creepy. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm the guy standing in the middle of the song of ice and fire going, can I make an argument for tepid water? <laughs> I'm not on board with the Red God, I'm not on board with the the uh, Whites, not on board with any of this, no, 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 yeah. no, no, can we just have some nice, nice temperature, nice, you know, <laughs> British Seaside holiday, 18 degrees consistently, hoodie and a pair of jeans, that's that's what I'm arguing for in Westeros, and yeah. of course that means I would be dead.
1: Yeah, well, well th- th- this is interesting because, so you've got Volantis on the one hand is about to declare war on Daenerys, because... They're really into the slave trade. Daenerys has smashed that, so they're really pissed off. On the other hand, you've got this, yeah, this growing section of um, red priests, um, red god followers, saying no, we must sort of support Daenerys because she's the sort of the 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 saviour reborn who's going to sort of save us from whatever's coming Mm. out of Westeros. And yeah, it's interesting, sort of interesting little wrinkle there. The I do get the. So I get this image though that all these like red god people would just like pick someone that they are they like and declare yeah. that they're Azor Ahai. They are Azor Ahai reborn. <laughs> they're really benefiting
0: from not having like very good communication or like histories written. Like because yeah. these days you just have like look how many different people in how many different places were claiming to have the Messiah working for them specifically.
1: Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, they they go to this place called the Painted Turtle, which is this like bar, and meet with the customs officer who tells them um, a few rumors circling about Daenerys, which each one is more sort of brutal and dreadful than the last. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm not even going to go into them. Some of them are ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the tr- obviously, the true reason is that just she's she's a Chris the slave trade in marine, and that's why everyone in the surrounding areas are, are so so against her mm-hmm. um, it turns out um, T- Tyrion um, is sitting down playing like Sivas against uh, Chivas against this guy um, mm-hmm. uh, as a, like sort of a mini bet and he loses as soon as his dragon is taken um, which I don't know if that symbolises anything but I thought it was worth a mention um, and after that they're going to sort of head back with this new newfound news that they've got about how sort of the noose is tightening on Daenerys yeah. and Tyrion's like you know what I'm going, going to a brothel for a bit. Holden, <laughs> <And laughs> Holden's like, eh, right. <laughs> <laughs> how, knowing where this is going, yeah. you, you know, you, you can't help but sort of criticise Halden for that <laughs> attitude there. Yeah, anyway.
0: yeah. Holden's just like, oh well, whatever. What's the worst that could happen going into a a place of questionable uh, security as a very very small person? He'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> Although, yeah. th- there is a... I mean, uh, we'll come to this at the end of the chapter, actually, I suppose, but it's, it, the, this whole thing does shed a little bit of an interesting light on um, uh, sort of John Connington's um, motivation in taking Tyrion in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But we'll get it's, to that.
1: Yeah, so Tyrion visits at this brothel, and it's it's another really sort of depressing dive into just what Tyrion's becoming here, because he He gets blind drunk he he sort of selects this this girl takes her to a room has an utterly miserable shag um yeah. which he describes <laughs> oh, as, he describes her as almost a corpse um he's there's more he's sick all over the carpet and then he um he sort of vaguely thinks she's going to get punished for that almost feels guilty but doesn't really care still. What do you think? Uh, this is the most
0: relentlessly depressing literary depiction of sex since. Um, did you ever read Frank Skinner's autobiography? <laughs> no. Should, oh, it's awful. He's, he, his, his recounting of his first sexual experience is <laughs> bleak as fuck, and, right. it's, uh, it, and it, but it's very similar to this. Um, right, uh, but funnier because Frank Skinner. But but it's he's, he's very much a presentation of like Tyrion at, at this incredibly low ebb. And it's interesting how he kind of even though he's in this he's in this really bad situation, generally when things present themselves to him, he's still kind of the same old sardonic Tyrion
1: hmm. in
0: the way that he speaks. And so but we keep having glimpses and it's usually when he's interacting with a prostitute, interestingly, that um we see like what a profound change has come over his personality since he's killed his dad. Yeah. Um uh, so we had the thing um, when he was at uh, Illyrio's place, where he was threatening to, you know, threatening to kill this this woman that was sent into his room, hmm. just because he wanted to feel powerful. And then here we have this kind of like staggering, drunken, useless, like boorish behavior. Um, and so it's interesting that it's in when in he's interacting with prostitutes that his real kind of self-loathing kind of shows itself in a way.
1: Yeah. And it really feels like this is sort of... This surely is rock bottom for him here. Well, Can't you'd say that, but worse. this is a song of ice
0: and fire, Matt, and if there's one thing George has shown himself able to do, it's find something below rock
1: bottom for his characters to experience. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because I'm pretty sure I said that when he was on that boat and <laughs> drink every day on the way. <laughs> Maybe I'm making Absolutely. a too early. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I, 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 think, I think if this were a kind of halfway sane story universe, then yeah, you'd be completely justified in saying, oh, this is about as bad as it's likely to get, isn't it? But likely doesn't mean anything in Westeros. No, uh, no, uh, no.
1: <laughs> and it's only about to get worse for Tyrion, because as he sort of staggers his way down back down the stairs, there's a a knight, a Western knight, that looks kind of like a bear, that comes over. Uh, uh, he, he's, he's sitting with a, a pale-haired whore apparently and, oh really uh, he gets up he comes over and he basically says "Oi, dwarf i'm having you you're mine <laughs> as in i'm gonna capture you i'm not gonna do anything else that <laughs> I, to was, I was i was gonna say that <laughs> Deary me.
0: i i you may have misunderstood my my role here sir i'm i'm sure i'm purely here for the shagging
1: yeah dave could, could you think of a a exiled Westerosi knight, uh with a particular fondness for pale haired young women, uh looks kind of like <sighs> a bear wandering around this ve- this sort of general area at the moment. Gosh. Ooh. It's a riddle.
0: It is I'm stumped <laughs> myself. I'm stumped. I've yeah. got nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, come on, everybody. It's it's clearly Sajora, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm or or
0: you know you know what he's gonna say as well. When it, if he if he manages to get Tyrion back to the queen, you know what he's going to say, "What, Khaleesi, <laughs> the half man of the Lannisters?" <laughs> <laughs> he's going to do it. He's not going to be able to address her in any other way from now on, other than Khaleesi.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I heard I heard his voice, when he he sort of I think Tyrion asks, you know, what are you are going to do with me, and he goes delivering you to the Queen. I can hear Ian Glenn saying it. <laughs> he does, he nails it. He nails it, Ian Glenn. Right. Um, let's. So, yeah, Tyrion captured again. He's just, he's just bouncing from one catastrophe to another, isn't he, Tyrion? Yeah. Why don't I find this as frustrating as I do with Arya, though?
0: Because with Arya, this sort of shit happens or happened three books ago all the time. And it was a pain in the ass. Whereas with Tyrion, I'm like, ooh, I wonder what interesting scrapes Tyrion will get into next.
1: Mm.
0: Whereas with Arya, I'm just like, oh, God, she's going to passively become more and more creepy.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's because Tyrion still does, like, for example, with this stuff where he's talking to Aegon, he still, um, no matter how much you try and keep him down, he still sort of affects things and has the capacity to sort of change his own circumstances through his oh, own Oh, that's stuff.
0: very true. Yeah, I think that's really well said actually.
1: Yeah, with Arya Arya is a very passive character and so I'm
0: like I don't care. You know, mm. it's not presenting me with any experience other than kind of rapidly fading background anxiety about what horrible thing is going to happen to her next. Mm. Whereas with Tyrion, horrible things are going to happen to him but I'm like, he's going to respond somehow. Mm. And that yeah. that's
1: more interesting to me I suppose. It could also be the fact that it's just, it's a different Place as well, he's going around something that's like various areas that feel very different. Whereas Arya is sort of <laughs> treading over stuff that we've, you know, land that we've already crossed, really ancient, ancient ground over and over and over mm. again. Yeah, that th- just one other thought about poor Jorah when I saw the, you know, the, the light haired girl he's got on his lap, I just thought, oh, Jorah.
0: Yeah, I know, it is a bit as well, isn't it?
1: Jorah, he's a hard man to like
0: because he pulls off this sort of shit all the time. It's not just, you know, Lovelorn, I think we, we could sympathise with. Lovelorn and going out of your way to purchase and shag somebody who looks the same as your <laughs> object of affection. Not so sympathetic.
1: <laughs> yeah, speaking of that object of affection, let's go to Daenerys. Um, she is still struggling to sort of keep a lid on things in Marine. Uh this um this sort of noble woman called the Green Grace is visiting her. And uh basically there's a is still trying to do a bit of alliance building, isn't she? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, which is but she's on a downward curve now, isn't she? She's blockaded in her own city by somebody who turned up wanting to shag her and give her a fleet of ships. Yeah. You know, like it's it's
1: all gone wrong. Yeah. The uh the the harpies gonna harp. The harpies are still harping. <laughs> They're still meandering And the there we have so the good. title
0: for today's episode <laughs>
1: Harpies Gonna Harp <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um so yeah, I think it was a quite a little sad beat that those weavers that we heard about a few chapters ago who um do you remember that nobleman was all angry because these yeah. slaves had been trained by one of his slaves to do this fantastic Skilled weaving, and they set up their own shops. How been been they how dare Yeah, well, yeah. they've been they've been killed, and the shops have been ransacked now by
0: the harpies. Oh, well, um, leading me to think the harpies—not so much you sort of, not so much you sort of people's insurgency here, as very much a clearly elite-sponsored terror campaign, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's very much know, what it is. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Daenerys. Has got a bit of a problem here with her leverage because you remember she took all those hostages from the noble houses, yeah. And threatened to kill them if, um, yeah, if this continued. Well, it's continued, and she has she won't kill the hostages because yeah. you know she's a hum <laughs> she's humane. She, uh, yeah, she actually quite likes these innocent teenagers and children that she's yeah. taken under her roof. But it is a problem because obviously, yeah, they sort yeah. of. I'd imagine she takes all these sausages, says, right, the next the next time this happens, I'm going to kill one, and then it happens and they sort of, the yeah. noble families brace themselves like, oh, no, she's going to kill one of the kids and she doesn't. And she doesn't. And then it happens yeah. again and they think, oh, she's going to do it this time and she doesn't. And then it happens again and they think, well, we can just keep doing it. She's, yeah. she's never going to carry that out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's difficult, isn't it? And it's it's weird to me how badly she's sort of managing her own image. Do you know mm. what i mean because she's like on the one hand she's you know she's acting in this incredibly humane way but she's getting no credit for it um mm. because every, all the all the stories we hear told about her are oh she's hateful oh she shagged a dragon oh she kills children oh you know like she's getting none of the benefit and all of the downside of being humane in this extremely inhumane sort of political environment
1: yeah yeah yeah, it's a bad combination, isn't it? It's yeah. got to the stage where the the green grace here is suggesting a way out is to is through marriage. She's saying, "Remember I mean, the, the the fighting pits guy, the rich merchant, his daughter." Oh, yeah, um, she says, "Marry him, and you can have a son, and that'll sort of bring the two together, mm. and it'll bring peace to the area because he's very much from the sort of old money nobles, so it'll sort of appease." the uh, the people. And so, you know, well, Daenerys that... thinks, okay, I'll, I'll have a, I'll think about it, any any port in a storm, you know.
0: Yeah, but that sort of does assume that, you know, the opposition, the, the Sons of the Harpy are a popular organisation hmm. instead of an extremely well-financed private militia. I'm hmm. not certain that I buy the first of those two options. Um so that's the only way that you know you get the people on side by marrying aristocracy because you know bread and circuses and flag waving and and all of that um whereas if it's the aristocracy who hate you and who are sponsoring the sons of the harpy, then you fuck you marry one of them, and everybody else will be like, "I can't fucking believe she right right, you know, and it'll
1: just get even more violent, surely, yeah. Unless Hizdar is so deep in this Harpy stuff that he's got some sort of control over them. And that seems to be what Daenerys is is going to find out here because she basically says to Hizdar, look, if you give me 90 days and 90 nights without a murder, mm. then we'll get married. Basically, if you can show that you can control these Harpies, yeah. then then we'll get married. It's a bold strategy, isn't it?
0: It is, but she's screwed because on the 91st day and more pertinently, the 91st night when they get married and sleep together, if he's actually controlling the harpies, which is the only way he's going to stop them from killing people, he's just going to be like, great, all right, the job was to stab her and make her die and go away. And now see, I am unaccompanied in her room with a knife, Mm. you know, like she's going to get killed, surely.
1: yeah. Yeah, it's very risky, isn't it? And um, yeah. and Daenerys sort of thinks as well. This isn't going to go down well with people like the Shave, Pate, and uh, Barristan either. No, no. Um, actually, Barristan goes up um, when she sort of approaches him for advice on this. He once again says, "Look, let's just go back to Westeros. That's the yeah. fix all here. Let's just yeah. get the hell out of here."
0: Yeah, and it's hard not to argue that that's the case as well, isn't it? I mean, you know, so she's she's had this kind of. Gathering wave of military success to this point, but she's still a long mm. way away from anywhere where she can turn up and be like, "I am the boss," mm. right? Um, just to this point, she's just been dealing with all of these massive, like, cross-cultural problems. So mm. it's sort of it is sort of hard to argue. Also, this is what she's been trying to do for the whole novel. Mm. So yeah, yeah, the whole series—I should say—four novels, four <laughs> massive fucking novels. She's been trying to get home, and now she's like, "Oh well, maybe I don't want to." Maybe I'm not gonna maybe I yeah. like the beach. You know, the expatriate
1: queen is what it
0: would be. Queen of Benidorm.
1: The Expat queen, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, so uh we also here at this point Dario Naharis returns mm. from his uh, latest mission. And it's like ooh, and um Daenerys gets all the flutter and gets him to to come and report to her directly. Um and you know, there's this, there's there's always this atmosphere between these two, isn't there? And Dario, well, well, you could just so... about hear Barry White warming up in the corner, <laughs> and somebody's about to get on the porn guitar on the other side. <laughs> yeah, and Dario seems so sort of assured of what to do here when she, she sort of discusses the the problem she's got with him, and he his plan is basically, you know, hold some kind of pageant, lure all the masters to one place. And then slaughter them all. <laughs> problem solved.
0: <laughs> oh Dario, oh Dario, all all the all the strategic subtlety of a hand grenade with the pin pulled out, is not he? So, so you're telling me you've got a problem with people? Well, if you kill
1: the people, there'll be no more problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Daenerys says she's not a butcher, and uh, and Dario da- da- says an interesting thing. He says, you know. It's better to be the butcher than the meat, and it's basically you got one one choice or the other here.
0: Oh, it's horrible! But uh, again, that's the, you might as well have that as the theme of the entire series, isn't it? It's basically a very, very long, very in-depth uh, examination of whether or not it's possible to be a decent human being and powerful at the same time,
1: and it doesn't mm. seem very much like it is. Yeah, they they this turns into a an argument really, and it gets basically Dario is he's always very brash and overconfident and he pushes his luck too far here, doesn't he? And he insults Mm. Daenerys to the point where she, she basically sends him away and she's furious.
0: Yeah. But he was always playing with fire here, wasn't he? I mean, he goes into the room enjoying the fact that he has this disproportionate influence over her because of, Because she fancies him, basically. And he plays that card as hard as it'll be played until the point where he insults her and then she flips over from one type of very immature behaviour to another and just goes, No, fuck off, go away! Yeah. But it's weird seeing how how kind of adept she's been with everybody else. How with him she's like kind of... You know, she is basically what you'd expect a 13-year-old girl to be like if you gave her executive power and control
1: of an army. You know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's She's... Just, yeah, just doesn't know what to do around Dario, does she? And, no, uh, she's
0: very confused, and it doesn't, you know, it, it ultimately doesn't turn out well
1: for him. You can almost hear Barristan grinding his teeth behind her as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is he getting a touch of the a touch of the jurors here? Do you reckon he's? No, grung- I I don't know. I didn't get that. I don't think that. I think he's. I think he's like her dad. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? <he's> that rough. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see the look on his face. as Dario standing there, rubbing his thumbs over those naked women on his on his swords, and uh, yeah. and Barrister's like, "Oh, you get oh. you get away from my daughter!"
0: You, yeah, it is that, isn't it? It's the it's the
1: greet the prom date on the porch with a shotgun thing. <laughs> um, yeah. The only other thing I want to say about this chapter is, can we just take a moment, please, um, the Butcher King of Astapor. You've never, you've never tasted steaks like it. <laughs> Unfortunately, his days of chefing have come to an end. <laughs> Killed by his own men, Dave.
0: I bet they put him in a pie as well, didn't they? Cunning <laughs> bastards! I bet they did. They cooked him up, made a stew,
1: butcher king stew. Yeah, but that, I mean that—that's f- interesting as well. The one sort of ally that Daenerys did have that wasn't the landmen of the Lazarene um, is now. Is now finished. It looks like there's revolution taking place in the city. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, next chapter is the Lost Lord. Ooh, the Lost Lord, Dave. Hey, and this is um, actually I've just realised because we've got the Lost Lord and then we've got the Wind Blown. Yeah, and uh, that means this entire part is taking place across the Narrow Sea. We're not we're not touching Westeros. Weird, that so. not it? Mm. Anyway, so the chapter, the Lost Lord then. So this is, as we said, Griff, um, or as he's he's better known, John Connington. They've reached a place called Voluntheris, Mm. another sort of town on on the river on the way down, obviously without Tyrion now. Um, The Golden Company are nearby, which is, this is the sort of the mercenary group that John Connington used to be part of Mm. and wants to sort of get on. So it's basically wants... To sort of for them to join uh, Aegon and sort of back his claim, yeah. Uh, There's, I quite like this just before we get to that. There's this memory of the Battle of the Bells at Stony Stepped,
0: yeah. um,
1: Which was, I mean, this was one of the key battles in this uh, um, when Robert was going up against uh, the Mad King. Yeah, and he was like Robert was wounded in the um in the, in Stony Sepps this town, mm. and it turns out that uh John John Connington had been sent in on almost like an assassin mission. He sort of he remembers running up and down stairs, like bursting into rooms, trying to find Robert to finish him off, mm. and and knowing that this was sort of the moment to end the war. Yeah, and he and he couldn't do it. He he didn't manage to do it. And if you remember, actually. The way this played out in the end, the sort of when this attack began on the town, the mm. all the bells started ringing. That's why it's known as the Battle of the Bells. And Robert actually sort of rose from his his sick bed to join in and uh, started <laughs> laying waste left and right. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: you've got to miss Robert, haven't you? He was, he, he was in many ways a horrible man, but he knew he, he, he was a master of physical comedy.
1: Yeah,
0: dead am I? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um now we get back to the present and uh Griff is he's he's furious that they've lost Tyrion and mainly because Tyrion knows the secret about Prince Aegon now.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And that that's the you know, otherwise I'm not sure he would be that bothered if this guy if Tyrion sort of disappeared or died, so what? He wasn't that important. But now he's got that key information and he never trusted him. So he's obviously yeah. very worried. Yeah. Um yeah, so they <clears throat> they head out to the golden company with a couple of horses, which they managed, just about managed to source, and mm. um, they they reach the sort of the lines of uh, of this of this mercenary group where it's camped, and Griff's quite impressed with how professional it still is. Mm. There's been a sort of change of leadership, so originally the, the the guy who was leading it when John Connington left, who was actually mm. in on this plan. Mm. To sort of to, to get the Targaryen back on the throne, mm-hmm. he's since died, and this guy called Harry Strickland's taken over, and this is the <laughs> cause for concern.
0: <laughs> well, for a number of reasons, not the least of which that Harry Strickland turns out to be, it, well, it, to start off with, it's not a very warlordy sort of name, is it? Right.
1: I think I think it's the what, like a, a brilliant pirate name. I imagine <laughs> him to be in sort of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, Mad Harry Strickland, Harry Strickland. yeah. <laughs> no, he
0: sounds like he sounds like somebody who's been trying to get promoted to the position of vice deputy sub assistant at a local <laughs> hardware store. You know, the sort of place where they do four candles like in that for about forty years. That's, that, that's what it sounds like to me. Sort of, you know, downtrodden of Chelmsford is what it sounds like to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. The the other thing that makes it a problem for um for Griff is that he left the golden company under a cloud. There was this story of him stealing gold um basically to sort of get him out without anyone sort of remembering who he was. And obviously now there's been a change in leadership. There's a worry hmm. that that might come back to bite him now because everyone thinks he genuinely did steal from them. Yeah. Dearie
0: me! (laughs) Oh, like it's such a stupid move, isn't it? Like, and you could why? It's not really clear to me why Varys thought it was a good idea. But he says, doesn't he? He's like, I didn't want to do it, but Varys told me to. Oh, yeah. You know, sort of like going away and letting everybody believe that you're a bad person and you know and i understand why you know like maybe you're not found as easily or something but that means that everybody you come across from this group of people who are almost professionally bad tempered is going to try and kill you yeah (laughs) why
1: yeah i didn't get this either because well yeah because a it seems like the opposite would happen if you leave and tell everybody yeah he tried to steal a lot of gold that's mm. more likely people have come after you trying to find you to give you a bit of retribution mm. and and also this it it kind of wrapped up straight away anyway because it doesn't really make a difference by the end mm. of this chapter. See, so mm. that, that, yeah, point. Anyway. It's weird,
0: but then I don't know. Maybe it's you know two chapters down. If indeed he gets a second chapter, which is no longer a lock with point of view characters in this book, but if yeah. he gets a second chapter, maybe it's you know he's somebody. The, the tables turn and somebody has to make an argument for killing him, and he's like, "He's that thieving bastard," and then you know, yeah. game over. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I quite like when they get to the, the captain's tent, um, there's there's this tradition in the Golden Company that each leader, once they die, they have the sort of head preserved and stuck on a spike, so there's this like <laughs> row of spikes with all the like old leaders' heads on. Well, that's a really good idea. Dipped in gold <laughs> as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like dipped in gold of all things. Yeah, you gotta love a bit of that. So they, they go in to meet Harry Strickland. Homeless Harry Strickland, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, but basically, this, this discussion begins, and Prince Aegon um, reveals himself and says, "I'm the prince." You know, let's go back and take take back what's ours, and it's greeted with like silence, and you think.
0: Uh oh! <laughs> it's not <gone> well. <laughs> it's, It plays so marvelously, doesn't it? Where he turns up, he's all ready for his massive reveal, and you do sort of feel for him because he's clearly been—you know—he sacrificed his life for the sake of this particular reveal, yeah. and and everybody's like, "Yeah, I know," but yeah. he's, he's like, is, "But he's the king," and they're all like, "And
1: <laughs> fuck." <laughs> Yeah, they say, look, this is the problem. We, you know, They said they can't get to... Daenerys is still in Marine, and they just can't get there at the moment. They've not got the ships to take them. They can't risk the road um, because it's too dangerous. So, you know, what can we do? And this is the point where um, Tyrion's idea comes forward. The prince basically says, balls to all art, let's just go to Westeros. Let's just start <laughs> let's start raising hell over there and see what happens in this sort of... In, in the way that sort of a youthful sort of teenage prince can only do. Oh, jeez. I tell you what,
0: I thought I might have been able to quite like him up until this point and then he cracks straight into this like... Bullingdon Club level nonsense of kind of like (laughs) I, fellows, am wealthy and important so let's go over there and fuck them right up for the good of well, mostly me, to be honest but sod it
1: (laughs) and until that point yeah, sorry I actually quite liked it I was like yeah did you I, 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 like, I like how bold it was it was just I think it's because we've been waiting for so long for some for Daenerys somebody to, to do something to Westeros and I think at this stage just anyone going over to Westeros is the cause for celebration so like, like, yeah that is true
0: that does bring it to, together the two halves of the story which I've sort of like you know I've given up on getting those two things together before the end of book seven but <laughs> you're right okay that is quite nice but I still think he's a twat in this scene you <laughs> No. Well,
1: Harry, you're on the side of Harry Strickland, because Harry Strickland's unwilling about this, and he's sort of trying to throw up various reasons why it's a bad idea. But it seems the rest of his sort of men, uh, especially the commanders, are pretty keen on the idea. They like how, how bold it is. They like the idea of finally going home. So it looks like they've they've turned them around, and this will be the new plan. Mm. So they sort of... Griff and 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 the, the Prince retire to their sort of own tents, and it's on sort of a bit of a high. They've you know they've it was a big risk, but they've got this massive army on side. They're ready to go. They're going to attack Westeros, and then there's the sudden downbeat moment where sort of Griff removes his glove, and you can see that sort of one of the tips of his fingers has already turned to stone, and he's got the grey scale. So it's just a matter of time before he yeah. dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: but uh, it did, I, for some reason it didn't. It didn't land for me as a terribly shocking moment. This, and I don't know if it's because I haven't spent nearly enough time with any of these characters, but you know, like I didn't, mm. I didn't experience it as kind of like, my God, he's right. <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose we we haven't spent a lot of time with. I think also um, the, I don't know the fact that in in the TV series there's um. Someone gets grayscale, so you kind, yeah. kind of you kind of semi expecting it as well. If you that's true, yeah. That, well, well f- dodged on the spoiler there.
0: By the way, that was that was <laughs> excellently tiptoed around that magnificently. Yeah, I it's Daenerys. It's not Daenerys. It's not
1: Daenerys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I read that. um Once they got once Tyrion looked at looked like he was okay, I was like, oh, they've phew, they've uh, they've got past that. And then yeah. it was a real shock where it's like, oh no, he got it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I, I do. Th- I do feel a little bit, but because I, I, I quite, I quite like that character. The John Connington character is, it's uh, yeah. quite interesting. I suppose it he, is, yeah. is, is a strange mixture of sort of, I don't know. It's sort of one part Tywin and and one part someone else. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Totally.
0: Well. Yeah. And I agree with that. And so I was actually thinking throughout most of this. I was like, uh, "Why haven't we had these in the TV series? Why haven't we had more of this? Because this
1: is all actually quite interesting stuff." Yeah, yeah, I thought of, I thought about that as well. And something that I um, I thought about—we've talked about this a few times, haven't we? About the fact that there are various storylines here that um, aren't haven't been featured almost at all, either haven't been f- barely featured or haven't featured at all in the TV series, and that suggests that they're just. Digressions that uh, are almost pointless reading because they're not going to affect the the end result of the story. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in some cases that's there is there was one I can't remember there's there's one storyline that is entirely played out now which didn't feature at all in the in the in the series. I can't remember what it was, mm-hmm. but um, that could be right. But also the argument against that is apparently for series six of Game of Thrones. Mm. There's going to be a lot of Ironborn stuff. Oh, is we're there? Going go, we're going to go to Iron Islands and do. I think they may, may even do like the King's Moot and all that. Oh, I. Which, which means there's always a chance with with storylines like this one, the um, with the prince and with Quentin as well, and with the Ironborn stuff that they're just saving it and they're going to do sort of that that side of things a bit later on. So we, we might be reading here sort of a series. Series six, part two, or series seven plot? Ah, well, w- which
0: I would have a lot of respect for because they've—I mean, there's huge chunks of what we've done so far that they just haven't bothered to put on screen yet—and hmm. so I really hope they do do it. Otherwise, it's a bit. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah did a lot oh, of I t- reading there.
1: I'll tell you what the storyline was. That was irrelevant and didn't come to anything. Was the um, cold hand stuff? I mean, he's looks like yeah. he's dead. And and yeah. it was just didn't feature in the series, and it, is, it was because it was a digression that we didn't need. It was just extra colour. Yeah, so it yeah. could be that some of these storylines might be that. But I would just I would just caution and say mm. it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to pop up later on in the TV series. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, all right. Well, I'll look forward to it. Let's move on to yet another um, storyline that at the moment as yet is not featured in the TV series, which is the wind blown. This is back with uh, with Quentin. <laughs> hey, oh yeah. Um, there's this rumor. So it looks like they've they've joined up with a another mercenary army. Who are they with? Is it, are they called the Windblown? Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah, um, yeah. So they're with another mercenary army called the Windblown. It's Quentin and friends from Dawn. Um, the army realizes that there's this rumor that Daenerys is on the move. Um, the, the the army is currently camped outside uh, Astapor, so they've sort of taken part in the. Uh, the description yeah, of the butcher king. Is it just me, or has he got there quite quickly? Because in my head, I mean, my knowledge
0: of the the geography here is a, is very very poor. But I thought he was still dicking around somewhere way over in the west, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Yep, yeah, Astapor, done that."
1: <laughs> yeah, it has been quite a quite a sudden journey, hasn't it, getting hmm. over there? Yeah, he was stuck in Valantis, wasn't he? Last we heard, yeah, because they couldn't get a ship out of there, which yeah. is sort of I think that's sort of halfway house between sort of Pentos yeah. and Westeros and. And Slavers Bay, Mm -hmm. so they've got there. Um, Quentin's known as Frog at the moment as a sort of a nickname. Um, (laughs) He's got to be wondering, hasn't he? At what point? At what
0: point? You know, you've taken on too many insulting sub identities (laughs) to maintain your dignity as a king. (laughs) Since his whole project here is to turn up and be the guy who's like, 'Tis I.' The king, and actually, every when if he does that, if he's not careful, all the people who have got him to that point will be like, "What? Fuck off, frog! Who are you?" <laughs> and he's not the most commanding of personalities, is he? So you do wonder whether he could turn that around.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so th- th- it turns out they've they've been at Astapor for a while. Um, there was this big battle um, outside, which, Qu- which Quentin remembers. It's quite I quite like his memory of it. It's um, it's very vivid, and it's, it reminded me a lot of Tyrion's experience um, of battle way back when, in the first book, when there was mm. that battle against the Northmen. Mm-hmm. that sort of moments before where someone bursts into the tent and is like, get your armour on, the, the, uh, the, other, the other side have arrived and they're about to attack, and suddenly you're scrambling to get ready and you've got that horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach that you might sort of yeah. be about to die horribly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, i thought it was a good a good sort of a good description of it and just yes, a, yeah it was also a good depiction of a very one-sided battle you know it very quickly turns into just a slaughter doesn't it oh
0: yeah yeah and it, it's i did you have the sense that this was almost quite peremptory like this is almost like you could feel George being like and then there was another massacre blah 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 move on <laughs> like rather yeah. than writing them at kind of particularly great length he's now like don't care don't care died obviously horrifying death that's the point
1: yeah. I thought it was interesting that there was this massive unit of Unsullied, which weren't real, and so they were basically... Oh sort of, my word, yeah. Yeah. Well, That um, was pretty rough.
0: Which Nobhead thought that it was, what makes the Unsullied greater fighting is that you've cut their dicks off? Because mm. that, was, that was the thing, wasn't it? He's like, he was like, I want my own Unsullied. I can't get my own Unsullied. I know what I'll do. I'll forcibly castrate every man in my army, and then they'll be willing to fight for me. Mm. What... <laughs> It yeah. makes no sense to me at all.
1: Yeah, and um, Quentin remembers killing quite a few of those, just sort of riding after them and, and sort of chopping their heads off and stuff. And it's just, again, it's just the sense of just senseless butchery which which took place on these sort of battlefields, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when the thought of the battles won, it's over, and now it's just massacre a few people just because it's less, you know, they're less valuable alive than they are dead. Really, mm. um, mm-hmm. it's the sort of the real the waste and sadness of that kind of that kind of battle. Yeah, um, yeah. so Astapor is still an absolute mess. It's in the city's pretty much in revolt. Apparently the there's been a series of free kings who've taken over since the Butcher King was killed yeah. and the most recent one has been has been ripped apart by wild dogs in a pit. So um, that just gives yeah. a feel for just how bad things are in Astapor at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. the the windblown decides about time they leave. And both them and um, this big army from, is it from Valantis Or Yunkai? Or Yunkai. Yeah. Um, are going to sort of make the way towards, um, towards Marine now to, to sort of lay siege to that city and, and finally finish off Daenerys. Yeah. Um, this Yunkish army that's travelling with them, we get introduced to a few of the sort of main lords there. And they're a really strange... Colourful macabre bunch, aren't they? There's a yeah. uh, the little pigeon who who um this little bloke who's got these massive tall. I think every every one of his soldiers is more than seven feet high, and it's not seven feet. Yeah, seven feet high, yeah, and yeah. wears these big sort of like pink feathers, like to <laughs> also look like birds. Like, I just made me think of. They called the herons, but they made me think of
0: flamingos. Yeah, that's true. Why? Why would you call yourselves herons when the you know the flamingos is there for the taking? And then you've got the alliteration, haven't you? You'd be the fabulous
1: flamingos.
0: Who the hell wouldn't want to be called? That'd be amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's the. Um, there's the uh, the girl general who fancies herself as sort of a young as a sort of alternative Daenerys. There were the there were the Clanker Lords, which um, basically <laughs> children's TV show is it? Uh, yeah, they basically um, realised that in in a previous battle, all their sort of slave fighters broke and ran away very quickly because you know they're defen- virtually defenceless and almost certain to be killed. So their um, their solution to this problem isn't to buy them better armor and train them. It's to chain ten chain them together in groups of ten, so they can't move quickly or run away. So and so, that, and so you hear the clanking as the as their units are on the move. God, that's grim, isn't it? Grim,
0: yes. Also, might be the stupidest piece of military strategy I have ever heard of. And mind you, I am a student of British military strategy, Is like. It? What the? I mean, that's up there with dressing everybody in red in a desert environment and being surprised when they all get killed, isn't it? Mm. Chain them together. They'll be great that way. Why? What? (laughs) Said no one ever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I'll tell you what we need here, chaps. What's that, old boy? Well, we need to chain them together. Absolutely. You're magnificent. No, no, no. no, Rather very much yourself. Yes, we'll win for the empire. For the empire. (laughs) And that's how Great Britain never, ever, ever ruled Brazil. Like... It's, it's the stupidest idea I think I've ever heard in my life.
1: <laughs> Not sure if it got onto British Army with clanking ten slaves together, but the um, I'm saying yeah. it's
0: it's it's up there with the um, the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the past of uh, yeah of that particular approach.
1: Yeah, so the clanker. Kling- I think that might be like page ninety-seven of Sun Tzu's. Soothes the art of war. The ch- art of war. Ch- chain them together; they'll be great that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one of the ones which he put in after a late night writing session to meet the deadline, which got taken out <laughs> the following morning. Where his, his editor came in and went, "Zoo, zoo, zoo, me old pal. Listen, mate, don't worry about it. I know it's been a long time. You're feeling the pressure. We'll take out the stuff about the chains, yeah, and the red coats. Chains and red coats. We'll take those out. <laughs>
1: yeah. And um, the the other one I wants to mention of these of these lords is um, this. Guy called the Yellow Whale, who um, is this enormous lord who gets carried around on a litter and can barely sort of stand up, and he he's got this love of grotesques as well, which are basically sort of people with shocking disabilities. Mm. Um, um. So he's yeah, he's got these various people with various things wrong with them or various strange ailments. And um, he's really after a giant to complete his collection as well. Apparently, um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What a what did you make of this sort of group of lords as a whole? It seemed utterly bizarre. It, it was really people.
0: weird, isn't it? Yeah. Just as it like, and with the, with the figure of Quentin in the middle of it all, just makes it all a little bit kind of sad as well. Mm. Um, but. Um, yeah I just they were very 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 strange, but then again, perhaps this is an indictment of the kind of real world examples that George is always drawing on that this seemed like a reasonable you know there's some sort of precedent for that in the real world,
1: yeah, yeah, maybe so I can't I can't think of them myself, but um, he's obviously just yeah drawn on something for inspiration there yeah um oh, just one other thing to mention just. Rewinding back to that battle, which turned into a massacre outside yeah. um, Astorport. it turns out the Butcher King turned up in his armour, and they thought, oh, we thought he was dead, obviously not. Um, but when one of the sort of soldiers actually got got close to him and, and sort of chopped his arm off, just mm-hmm. all these sort of like maggots and stuff just all burst out, and it turned out it was just like the corpse of him just tied to a horse to sort of give people <laughs> a bit of <laughs> cheer kind of reminded me of the, they they played something similar to that um, at the Blackwood of the Blackwater where they yeah. got someone to wear they actually you know thought maybe we should have someone who's alive in it but they got someone to wear Renly's armor and yeah. um, and yeah. and i think yeah. i think this has genuinely happened in sort of middle ages they did do this oh I can't really remember. yeah yeah pretty sure I, I'll, I'll try i'll try and find out for next time yeah exactly fantastic what it was it kind it of it doesn't surprise about, me, but it's a very mm.
0: George Martin kind of spin to put on it, isn't it? That when you when you hit him, he explodes in a kind of massive cloud of maggots. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I bet I bet that never happened. I bet it was just oh he's fallen off his horse. Oh yeah. Now now I think about it, he wasn't moving very much, was he? All right, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. moving on. Whereas here, it's got a big, very smelly and disgusting reveal.
1: Yeah. Now, there's this the plan that um, Quentin and is is sort of two. Uh, sort of uh, guards, or it was, was Garris and um, this guy called Arch, who are the two sort of guys with him. Their plan is to, to get to Marina and then switch sides, sort of sneak into the city and say, Behold, it's us. Come on, Gerrits, <laughs> let get out of here. It uh, is us.
0: We're the ones who just pretended to be somebody else in order to get close to you, but no, 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 you can trust us. You can yeah. trust us, Your Majesty.
1: Yeah, they're, they're a bit worried about this because, um, especially Arch, the knight has got very friendly with the other sort of some other members of the Windblown. Mm. And there's a the the they expect he'll be quite reluctant now to to sort of stab them in the back and end up fighting for Daenerys against them. Yeah. Um it turns out that this becomes less of a problem because they all get summons to the command tent of this guy called the Tattered Prince who who runs the the Windblown. Yeah. And he's basically getting all the Westeros born people in the army together to go over mm-hmm. basically to go over to the other side almost yeah. as like spies but kind of not, not really a spies to play both sides yeah so, he's hedging his bets isn't he yeah yeah so if if they sort of Yunkish if the young kai army gets beaten they can switch sides and they've already got people in who are like the... oh uh, yeah welcome lads nice one
0: yeah no come in no no you didn't see him fighting against you just now no somebody else no Shut up. No, yeah. you've never seen him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he's going to get these people to pretend to switch sides. He's going to get them to go to Daenerys and say, we've we've had it with the wind blown. We want to fight for you instead. When, in fact, they're actually a double agent, actually still working for the Tattered Prince. It's a, it's a bold move again. He's, he's, a, he's a guy who likes to hedge his bets, though, isn't he, the Tattered Prince? <laughs> um, <and they're laughs> got nothing else. Yeah. They're going to be commanded by this uh this woman called Pretty Meris, who um Quentin is particularly frightened of, it seems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sets it up though, doesn't it? So it looks like there's a, does. a clear Yeah, on the on the on the sort of bright side, there's a clear path for Quentin to get to Daenerys now.
0: Yes. Which is obviously desirable because I want some of these plot lines to start joining up soon, please, George. Thanks very much. Mm. Um uh, but then again who can say maybe one of them is going to fall through some magic portal and end up way north of the wall maybe you know
1: <laughs> yeah so that that and that's where we leave it for uh for this for this time uh with uh with a, a good hearty chunk of essos related material we'll be mm-hmm. back in Westeros after christmas um, with the wayward bride who is I'll, I'll give nothing else away but she is um, a, a very much a Westeros character um. uh, and we'll move on from there. Yeah, well, uh, have, have you found um, the first half of uh, Dance with Dragons Sunday? Is it an improvement on A Feast for Crows?
0: It is, it is. I mean there have still Not been so moments much. where I've been like oh for fuck's sake George but I, I can now kind of see him bringing these storyline strands together and that is pleasing to me because um, he's asked me to care about some fairly disparate plot lines for quite a long time now. Hmm. Um, so I am I am kind of quite glad to see that. Well, still, it remains to be seen how well they all come together in the rest of the book. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's certainly an improvement on A Feast for Crows. Fuck, I can't imagine how bad I would have been Jones in for some decent storyline if I'd have had to do the six year wait between Feast of Crows and um a Tancerray. <laughs> Bloody hell. Did you did you do this in real time? Were you sort of onto this
1: back then? Did you experience the wait? No, no, luckily I was um I think I first read it probably um well, it must have been I, I read the first book before I saw the first uh series. But it was at a time when the first series was about to come out, because I remember my copy of Game of Thrones had Sean Bean on the cover.
0: Oh, really? Um, oh, that's a quality edition, that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it must have been quite... I, I remember just about once, I'd, pretty much as soon as I finished Feast for Crows, Dance with Dragons had been released, so I, I went and got it. Mm. So, yeah, so that, that I didn't have the six... I had about a six-week wait, I think, rather than six years. <laughs> Okay, uh, that's uh, yeah. that's that's legit.
0: Fingers yeah. crossed,
1: Wiz of Winter might be released in the next few months. But we've been saying that for goodness knows how long. We have, and and the question, the question we all have to ask ourselves is, has it been six years
0: since the last book? <laughs> <laughs> Cause it, yeah, not quite. Because if it hasn't, I'll tell you. <laughs> anyway.
1: Right, okay. Well um as ever, if you've got any uh, feedback on uh, the first half of Dance with Dragons or anything else that the podcast's doing, just uh, get it into Sharkliver at gmail.com. That's sharkliveroil at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Shark Liver Oil. And that's about us done, Dave. It is. We'll we'll reconvene for our Christmas special of Sherlock Holmes uh, in the coming days. We will. Until then. Until then, Matt. Goodbye.